this is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about connections, international business, supply chains and globalization and the effects these have had on our life, our work and our travel over recent times. Today on the show, we will be talking to Ellen Malfleet, who's the head of marketing at Ventry, a Belgium-based software company that provides innovative SaaS or software as a service applications and solutions for the management of field inventory. So field inventories are notoriously difficult to manage, track and control uh, for all kinds of business and organizations such as utility companies, hospitals and field service and maintenance companies. Field infantries often lie outside the reach of conventional ERP systems and their warehouse management and inventory management modules, making it challenging to achieve last mile inventory visibility. So Ventry solves that problem. And I hope in this conversation that uh, with Ellen, we will discover just how it does that. So welcome, uh, Ellen, and thank you very much for being here with us today. Thank you, Patrick, and thank you for having me. You're very, you're very welcome. Delighted to have you. So to kick off, and maybe before we get into the substance of Ventry, perhaps you could tell me a little bit about your own background and how you came to be the head of marketing with, uh, with Ventry. Yeah, for sure. I joined the founding team of Ventry about a year ago now. Prior to that, I spent five years in the aviation industry, specifically trying to enable drone traffic as part of our daily lives. And before that, I spent a decade uh, marketing and selling ERP systems. So when Vishal, who is the founder of Ventry, reached out to me about his new adventure he was embarking on, I didn't hesitate twice. Also, for me, it was fun to be back in the world of supply chain and logistics. Excellent. And when, when we talk about field uh, inventories, what are some examples of what we're referring to and why are they so notoriously difficult to manage and control? If I look at the way the world looks now and the supply chains look now, and I compare it to back when I started, let's say around 2006, 2007, you really see that there is a push where inventory is moved to closer locations a lot closer to the customer, but a lot further away from the control and the visibility that you have as a central party. So a large part of the difficulty there is that because your inventory is in locations that you can't control, is maybe managed by third parties, is in very fragmented, very small locations, it becomes really difficult to work in a standardized way. So that's the gap where we as Ventry want to jump into to help our customers. And what are some of the issues or the undesirable effects of that fragmentation and lack of visibility and control that companies experience? I'd say it's just human nature. People want to be able to do their jobs. They want to make sure that they have the tools and the materials that they need. So what happens is you basically get a whole lot of gray stock and a whole lot of gray knowledge because people want to kind of hoard the stuff that they know they're going to need later on. And because you don't have the visibility from a central position in the company, it's super difficult to keep track of what even is in your inventory. You can see that you have it on your PL, but you can't see it on your daily life. So what are the what are the consequences then for a business of not managing these field inventories effectively? Um, and likewise, then, what are the business benefits of rolling something like Ventry out? 
Yeah, for sure. I would say the main thing, of course, is a huge lack of efficiency. You are working super, super optimally if you have all these fragmented bits and pieces everywhere and you're missing the global view. Secondly, you also that way get a lot of waste because a lot of your stuff is actually close to expiring. It may be damaged. It may not be in location when you need it. So that alone would be a massive win. Secondly, I think another Another location where we find a lot of win is basically the, the usability of the solution. So often people in the warehouse, engineers in the fields, nurses who are traveling around with patients, they get encumbered with so much extra work and so much stuff that they need to do to just keep administrative track of the stuff that they're using. It bogs them down and it takes them away from what should be their key focus. And what types of companies and organizations benefit most from these types of field inventory solutions? I would say any organization that has stock that is either in itself inherently valuable or stock that is time critical. Imagine if you're an infrastructure company and part of your infrastructure breaks down, you want to be able to send people out straight away and get everything sorted in the shortest amount of time possible. So even if you have a piece that is not in itself super valuable or pricey, just being 100% sure where it is and getting it to where it needs to be is a massive benefit. Excellent. And how does the system work in in practice? How is it deployed and how do the people in the field actually use it and interact with it? The Venturi platform is a combination of a web application, a mobile app that works on any smartphone or any device, such as, for instance, zebra scanners, and an API, so an integration part, which, which we connect into our customers' existing systems. So basically, we enrich the data that they already have. We let them very flexibly configure additional workflows that the bigger systems are not able to cater to. And that way we have a bunch of very small tasks. We divide the larger task of cycle counting, which can be difficult and very cumbersome, into super easy small tasks where we guide the people on where to go, what to scan. And our system uses multi-barcode scanning to basically suck all the difficulty and complexity into the system and make sure that they transfer it into the, the legacy systems to get more out of them. Okay. And so, for example, I could be a maintenance engineer with a van and it's the inventory that's in, that's in my van, for example. Yes. Or, or I could be like a, a, a small depot that's deployed in a, in a neighborhood, maybe in a utility company to service an area, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Or even a combination thereof. Imagine you and I are colleagues. We're both driving around with our vans. I need a certain spare part. With Venturi, I can look on the map and see where the closest is. It may be that the depot is the closest location. It may also be that you have three in your van that you're potentially not going to use today. So then I can reach out to you and we can swap parts wherever we are. That saves an awful lot of time and driving. Yes. And then, and how does it interact then with the business systems that most companies would already have? So they'd maybe have an ERP system. There's probably an an inventory management module there. There might even be a warehouse management module. How does Ventry link in with that? Precisely. So we use a standardized way of connecting 
with all these systems, because basically, if you look at it, what it always comes down to, it feels are expected for data to come in and fields are there for data to come out. So what we do is we are agnostic as to what system is used, if it's SAP, if it's Manhattan, if it's Microsoft, whatever system that the customer is using, even if it's a homegrown system. And we basically look at what fields is this solution expecting, and then we map onto these fields. And why is it that those systems can't do this? What's the What's lacking there? What's the reason for that? For that that's gap? actually, yeah, that's a that's a really good question. That's also something that we asked ourselves or that a lot of our customers ask us to say, it's not possible that something like this does not exist yet. Actually, if you look at Ventry is kind of at the intersection of several technologies that are quite mature that actually exist today because you have excellent scanning tools and capabilities. I'm sure you've used them in the supermarket, yeah. but these are not designed to work on an enterprise level and to be able to deal with several kinds of workflows. For the most part, the expected workflow is things come in, things go back out, and that is the end of the story. The part where we come in is it potentially things are coming back. They may be used as spare parts. You may want to dismantle them. You may want to sell them on. You may want to do something else with them. So that variety of workflows is really something that most systems can't handle. And then also on the other side, if you look at the WMSs, the ERPs, et cetera, there are awesome solutions, even open source solutions on the market today that do really well what they are intended to do but they are quite difficult to work with. So what we want to do is make it user-friendly and provide the people in the warehouse, the engineers on the fields, the nurses in the hospitals or in their cars traveling to patients with only the data that they need rather than having to sift to all these fields and areas. And how long does it take to get set up and, and rolled out? And how does the charging model work? We mentioned in the intro that it's, SaaS, so it's um, software as a service, but how does the charging model actually work? Yeah, so I would say in terms of a rollout, because it's a fully configurable uh, solution, so it, there is no coding involved, you could do it as quickly as 10 minutes. Of course, if you know what you're doing and your data is already nice and clean, because with all of these things, uh, it all comes down to the quality of the data. You can also do it quite gradually. So roll out Ventry for, let's say, just one location or just one product group, or maybe just your most expensive products. It may be that it doesn't make sense or there isn't a business case to keep track of everything. So you can do it very, very quickly. You can also do it gradually. And for the most part, you don't need engineer assistance or you are able to configure it quite by yourself. With regards to the pricing model, we work on um, a location basis because we want as many people as possible to be using our solution because that is when you get the best view of everything. You get the best granularity when you have a lot of people who are using a solution, even if it is only for the parts that are relevant to them. And that way we can stitch together a complete picture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, without... Um... Uh, betraying any uh, client confidentiality what kind of use case examples would you would you have that you'd be able to share with us yeah for sure uh, i think a really interesting use case is uh, dhl who were our first customer 
where they are a 3PL. So most people, when they think of a DHL, they immediately think of the packages. It's not the packages side of DHL, it's the service logistics side. Basically, what they are doing for their customer is delivering materials to the customer of their customer across several countries and regions. And the specific difficulty there was that you have with varying sizes of warehouses. Some of them are massive manned warehouses. Some of them are quite small. Some of them are even just pick-up, drop-off locations. And what they wanted was a standardized way that would enable the people across all these locations to keep track of what they were delivering to the customer. That way they could also share those insights with their customer and to do it in such a way that it didn't require a lot of onboarding. Because if you have people who are only going to use a solution occasionally, you have this learning curve over and over again. It may be that if you're using something on the daily, after a while, it will become easy for everybody. The problem is if you have something you only use every couple of weeks, every time again, you have to get used to it. So there, the ease of use and the multi-barcode scanning was super important because these materials were quite complex that they were delivering. So one box could maybe contain eight to 10 various components. And with Ventry, they can scan them in one fell swoop. So you eliminate the human error and obviously you greatly increase the efficiency of your personnel. Excellent. And so then for Ventry, what does the future hold? Uh, will there be new features and, or will there be new products or services from Ventry in 2023 and beyond? In 2023, the main thing that we want to focus on is to improve even further on our usability version. We have already um, rolled out the latest mobile app, which has a much better uh, user experience according to our users and also has more capabilities so you can scan even faster. It also validates what you are scanning directly on uh, the device itself. So even without internet connectivity, you know straight away if you are scanning the right bits and the tool really supports you in that. Another interesting part that we are definitely going to expand upon is the communication ability. Like I mentioned, I imagine we are both engineers, we're both using the Ventry app on our phone. It is all the better to communicate with each other. Imagine I'm counting inventory and I notice that somewhere there has been a leak or some things have fallen over or there is some case of damage. I can take a picture with the app, I can include my comments, and then I can give it to my colleagues up the chain of commands to decide what has to be done with these materials. Mm -hmm. So I would say definitely usability remains our main focus and we have a couple of ideas on how to improve there. 93.9 Dublin South FM. And thinking about the the future and maybe the strategy of the of the business so you're part of the the management team of the business as as head of marketing. So when you guys are looking at business strategy and we're living in a world now it seems where over recent years there's been so much turbulence and unpredictability so how does this affect how you and the in the management team think about your business strategy for the future does it make it more challenging or does the turbulence actually constitute an opportunity for you it's very much twofold Back uh, about a year ago, when the I would say the global political and everything was shifting very much, we were a little bit worried because many 
companies tend to be quite conservative in times of uncertainty. But on the other hand, this has also constituted a great opportunity for us because with the global shortages that you have of ships, of rare materials, it becomes more and more interesting for companies to actually make the business case and keep track of all their materials. In times where everything is going really well, you can get away with performing suboptimally. It's in times like these when everybody has to kind of tighten the belt and look for areas where they can improve. It's really nice to see that companies realize the low-hanging fruit that they have by making better use of the stuff that they already have. Mm-hmm. And your your reach, so you're based in in Belgium. Yes. Um, and and your, your your target market or your your reach. Where does that extend to and where do you want to be doing business? Well, we're very much a global company already. I would say more by happenstance than by design. Uh, We follow where our customers are. So we have customers in Asia Pacific. We have customers all through the US. We have customers here in Europe as well. So I think in... From a practical standpoint and the fact that we're only a startup and we're only a relatively small team, I think our focus will be on North America and Europe, but we are definitely able to cater to customers who are situated elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And what about um, getting people and and talent? How how has that that been? How How do you do that? What are the challenges that you're facing? I think there's definitely a global shortage. Uh, and a global war for talent. But on the other hand, I also, I'm very much convinced that you can find awesome people by building an awesome team. We really believe in openness and creating things together. And that is something that I have never encountered in previous companies. I really step away from meetings feeling that I've created something that I would never have been able to do it on my own. It's the input from the colleagues and just having this culture where it's okay to bring your true self to work and to be vulnerable and allow your colleagues the same, that really, really inspires us and also really attracts new talent. Like Vujra, my amazing colleague who I otherwise never would have found. Yeah, this is the, this is the thing about which I noticed when she contacted me first. So, so we're talking about um, the, the 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 person who introduced us, who worked works for you, part of your your sales and and marketing team, but she's she's based in Algeria, right? So yes. you, you you have this distributed team that's based all over the world, so people don't necessarily have to be going into an office in in Brussels or someplace, right? No, indeed, and I think that's one of the the key takeaways for me back in uh, early 2020. I really hated it having to work from home. It was such a mind shift. I really had trouble coming to grasp with it and not seeing my colleagues in the office every day anymore. But now I'm on the one hand, I'm completely used to it. And secondly, it really opens your horizon so much. You can work with so many people who otherwise could not conceivably come into the office. And I really find that we get so much more that we get done on a regular basis, both working alone and working in teams as well. And are you guys actively recruiting and building your team still at this moment? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We are currently finalizing our seat rounds, which we hope will be concluded shortly. So then we can really start 
advertising effect, but yeah, absolutely, we are recruiting. We're mostly looking at this moment for salespeople because we're quite happy with where the product is at, but we will definitely be looking for technical people as well as we expand our offering over the coming year. So anybody who wants to work for an amazing team anywhere in the world, Reach Excellent. out. Excellent. Well, that's a good that's a good call. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully you'll get some response from from around the world. So um, and then just another question on on strategy and looking at the world. So when you guys are looking uh, to the future, what would be the main kind of considerations internally and externally that feed into your kind of thinking about strategy and what you're going to do in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I think the main thing is going to be to follow the customers. We're still a very young startup. We're still trying to figure everything out. And we have a very broad potential customer base. Basically, any company who has materials that are located in various parts that are either valuable by themselves that are time critical in some ways, that actually encompasses a great deal of industries. You have uh, infrastructure, you have 3PL, but you also have parts of manufacturing. Everything, especially that has to do with secondhand and spare parts management. So it's amazing to think how many opportunities are out there. So at the moment we are on the one hand, we are partnering because I very much believe that um, an ecosystem of partners where each of the individuals bring their own expertise allows us to work together and to bring something to the customers that the separate parties would not be able to. So partnering with many um, potential partners who then each all also bring their ideas to say, hey, have you considered this? Or I have this customer who is facing this specific use case. Let's have a look together. Yeah, yeah. The possibility, when you start to think, uh, the possibilities are, are endless, really. So yeah. I, you know, I can think of utility companies, I think of maintenance companies, um, all sorts. So yeah, it really is uh, uh, an exciting prospect. I might just, as we as we come towards the end, the last few minutes of the interview, maybe just shift gears a little bit and maybe just ask you one or two questions about, about yourself and mm-hmm. um, outside of work and that, what kind of things do you like to do in the, in the way of hobbies and other interests? I have so many interests and so little time to to Carol. First of all, I I have two uh, wonderful teen daughters. So I I definitely love spending time with my family. Uh, We have two dogs. So definitely a lot of walking and a lot of cuddling is also uh, involved. Then I have a horse with whom I I great. Yeah, I like to spend time as well. And I have the opportunity to teach a university course as a visiting lecturer in marketing. So definitely also something that I'm now trying to prepare some interesting cases for my future students. Yeah, so you're you're a very busy person. I I am. Yeah, I am. But I greatly enjoy everything that life has to offer. So, yeah, I'm very thankful. And are you are you reading or listening to anything lately that you find inspiring that you might like to recommend to listeners? I'm mostly reading business uh, related literature, so I don't think that that could be all that wonderfully interesting. I'm also trying to keep up with uh, Netflix. My children greatly enjoy me finally partaking in the Wednesday series that we're we're trying to follow. So. Okay, yeah, well, actually on Netflix, I have a recommendation for you because you're kind uh-huh. of in, you're kind of in the tech sector, right? So yeah. there's a there's a Swedish production called uh, the Playlist, 
-hmm. and it tells the story of the gestation the conceptualization and the founding founding of Spotify and it's in I think it's in six episodes and each episode is from a perspective of each one of the different people the founder co-founder um the the singer it's very it's very good very good oh yeah i'd love to see that because i think they're the only european uh unicorn right or... they, may, they may well be yeah they may yeah well be. they may well yeah be. i find them fascinating i have spotify as well so i'm doing my part excellent yeah highly highly recommended <laughs> so where can where can people find out more about Ventry and get in touch with you guys if they feel uh, uh either that they they might be a client or they want to work for you yeah that would be awesome. Well, they could always visit our website, ventry.io. So it's ventry like inventory, but without the in. Or otherwise, they can follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, and I'm also very active on LinkedIn, so they can follow me as well. And I would be more than, I would be delighted to hear from people. Excellent. Excellent. Well, many thanks, Alan, for being here with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. And uh, I wish you the very best, both both personally and professionally for the future. Thank you so much, Patrick. It's been great. Thanks also to our listeners for tuning in again today. And be aware that if you enjoyed this episode, you can find a full series of over 100 episodes of Interlinks on Spotify, Spotify again, Apple Podcasts, Acast, and other major podcast platforms. So until next time, keep well and stay safe.